0: listening to a podcast from Light FM.
1: It's The Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry. Good morning and on Malaysian Mysteries today, Mysterious Cases is what we're taking a look at and we share our conversation with an aviation journalist and author of The Taking of MH370, Jeff Wise, and his experience of of covering an international tragedy like this. So you, Jeff, have uh, come to a conclusion on what actually
0: happened uh, off the back of the data that you've interpreted. Could you explain to us um, what that theory is?
2: I'm sure everyone that's listening is pretty well aware of the outlines of what happened, right? But
1: mm-hmm.
2: the plane, after it went dark, somebody aboard the plane turned off all of these systems that are used to keep track of it. Mm. It then turned, flew 180, did a U-turn, flew back over Butterworth, flew up the strait, and then it reached the edge of Malaysian military radar. Okay, so for about 40 minutes, it was being seen by Malaysian military radar. And the Malaysians and the Australians have released a lot of information about the early part of that turn back. We know a lot about the, okay. the speed and where it went and everything. But then the latter part of it was never released. And we don't know why. Right. They've never explained it. They've they've offered kind of conflicting descriptions of what the final part of that track looked like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that final part of the track is the most important part of the track. Because when you're trying to scientifically create a list of possible paths that the plane could have taken... Hmm. You really want to build that off of the last, most recent piece of information that you've got. And that would be the final part of the of the radar return. So the more we could know about that military radar, the better, the more solid a picture we could build of what happened to the plane. And that's never been released and we
0: don't know why. So... Do you have a theory as to what happened or even why we don't have that information?
2: Right. There's basically two theories. And in this documentary that we're talking about that's going to that is airing on Netflix, Mm -hmm. um, it is basically talks about the two ones. We, We sort of carefully walk through the two theories that are very different, but that can be made to match the data. This is a very strange case. The deeper you go into MH370, the weirder it looks. And so a lot of people sort of just naturally want to have a simple solution. Everyone's, you know, Occam's razor. The simple yeah. solution is best. Unfortunately, in this case, no simple explanation matches the data. Right. Okay. For instance, we know that the authorities, as your listeners will no doubt remember, the authorities were very confident they knew where the plane went. Mm-hmm. They had done the math. They had analyzed the signals and they had calculated where on the seabed this plane had come to rest right. so that all they had to do was send a ship down to scan the seabed and boom, it was done. It was done and dusted. They are one of the. There was an Australian official who said, I have a bottle of champagne sitting in the fridge. We're ready to go. Mm. All we have to do is send the ship to the point where we calculated the plane is and we're done. Mm. Right. Obviously, that didn't happen.
0: Yeah.
2: And so then we have another mystery. We have the first mystery which is how come the plane vanished into the night on march 8th the other mystery is how come it's not where it was supposed to be yeah you know this is a plane that 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 vanished not once but twice really how do we explain that And no so the simple thing is as you know everyone knows that the 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 sort of the most common explanation the, the the theory that is considered like the gold standard, like the most reasonable, like every reasonable journalist will tell you um, probably the pilot took it, Mm -hmm. probably for reasons we don't understand. The pilot decided to commit the most elaborate, lengthy, technically abstruse murder-suicide of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a big problem with this theory. As reasonable sounding as it is, the problem is that if that happened, the plane would have been found by now. The plane should have been on the seabed it wasn't now different people have different ways to get around that So there's actually some people who right now are saying we think it really did go there but like there's like a cliff under there's like an underwater cliff or like a, a chasm or a hole and the plane went into that hole.
0: Right, right. okay. So like Is that impossible?
2: It's not yeah. impossible. Is it unlikely? It's definitely unlikely.
1: So is there another explanation? Is there a different way we can explain the data that we have? Walk us through and that, that through? process of how you okay. you went through piecing together the information that you gathered to develop your theory on uh, how MH370 went missing. Like walk us through that process of trying to find that information?
2: So to start with, I was a reporter, I'm a private pilot, I fly for fun, but I also read like accident reports, and I wrote about Air France 447, and I'm a journalist, I write about aviation, I write about crashes. And so when, when MA370 happened, of course, I was going to, like, pay attention to it. And I followed along, trying to make sense of this, you know, very technical, very hard to understand. I had never heard this kind of um, description of satellite pings. I'd never heard of that before, and I had to learn about it. And for the most part, you know, the, the first... Stage of the process was just hearing the mainstream theory kind of develop, which was that, like, the plane turned south. It was probably, it could only have been p- the pilot. Hmm. I mean, conceivably the co pilot, but the pilot was just like so much more experienced and everything. But as this was developing, I was struck by some things that were strange. And there was one thing that I came to believe was really the linchpin of the entire matter, which has never really gotten much attention from anyone else. And I spent a lot of the last nine years trying to sort of grab people by the collar and say, hey, listen, there's this piece of evidence that I think is really significant because it's so hard to explain. And namely, this is the idea that this piece of equipment called the satellite data unit, which is a part of the satellite communication system, was turned off and then it was turned back on again. And it was turned back on. Now, I mentioned earlier, as we were talking about how the um, the plane left Malaysian military radar coverage, right? Yes. And so three minutes after it left, and once it had left Malaysian military radar, it was completely invisible. Like nobody in the world knew where this plane was or what it was doing. It could have gone anywhere. It was free. It was scot-free. It had mm. gotten away. Mm-hmm. After flying over an Air Force base, it had gotten away. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think I um, think also, with, whether you could give an analogy here, because I don't think a lot of people realize that three minutes a plane flying can get a lot further than you think.
2: The way I see it is three minutes is very short in terms of like, it's a coincidence. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a big, well, don't, in terms of time coincidences, remember the plane left, the, it had just crossed the last waypoint, navigational waypoint in Malaysia six seconds later. Six seconds is a very, very short amount of time. So pretty much immediately after it left the last waypoint in Malaysia over the South China Sea, everything went dark, right? So you talk about intentionality because when you have these coincidences, that are like, you know. Mm. The most important point about this idea that the plane leaves Malaysian radar coverage and then this box gets turned back on. Now, because this box was turned back on, it's now generating these automatic signals that Inmarsat is gonna record and that the scientists will later use to determine more or less where the plane went. With certain degree, it wasn't this, and, and and this is where the story gets really crazy. I mean, let's be frank. This is a really strange set of circumstances because I talked to a lot of 777 pilots in the wake of d- discovering this thing that this box was turned back on. And I said to them, how do you turn on an SDU? And they said, what is an SDU? (laughs) They had never heard of this. Wow, okay. They're not trained to turn this thing back on. They're not trained how to turn it off. And it turns out if you want to turn it off
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and the the documentary gets into this. Right. Mm -hmm. But so this really deeply weird thing happened and and it's now in this electrical configuration that no plane has ever been in before. Like everything is turned off except for this one other thing is turned back on. Planes don't fly around like that. It's really unusual and it's really weird. And yet it's so hard to explain that the way that the authorities basically dealt with it is by ignoring it.
0: Hmm. Right.
2: Because how did this box get turned back on? And nobody to this day. So it seems has very really given intentional. It seems
1: incredibly intentional. It seems incredibly intentional.
2: And there's people who are kind of waving their arms around and saying, well, there was a fire on board, and they like somebody tried to like they were firefighting and they flipped some switches, and it's like The more you actually get in and and get into the guts of how things actually work, the less that actually makes any sense.
0: I've heard you use the word match or make that hypothesis, be it yours or whoever's fit the data. So earlier on, you're saying the biggest thing that you're um, hoping for is that a chunk of data is revealed in order to create more um definite where like a, like, as a, like to a more complete
2: it... set of data would allow us to have a clearer picture of what the hypotheses what what hypotheses are more are more likely to be true. Right. Yeah, that's definitely true, but the most important thing that could happen as a result of this documentary is not the release of more data actually. It would be a change of attitude, a change of people saying, look, we were told that it had to be this and it is possible it could be this but there's a big problem with it being this and we need to like look at other possibilities because there are other possibilities right okay and if it is information that should
1: be able to verify that as well because if it is this theory that's being pushed then there is information that people already have that should be able to be put forward to prove that theory true no I, way. I think
2: that's true I
1: think that's true. I mean,
2: I would I mean, I don't nobody really explained anything about the Indonesian radar. I mean, I think a lot of people just assume that their radars were turned off mm-hmm. and that might it might be as simple as that. I don't think they ever really clarified what the situation was there. But I think that, yeah, it could be clarified. And and the thing is, there's two reasons why this is important. I mean, this sort of colder, um, dispassionate reason is that, you know, airline safety depends on figuring out why planes you know, go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- as long as this mystery resi- remains unresolved, there's a huge kind of asterisk next to the entire the entire world's air t- transport industry. Which is that I can't t- I can't guarantee you that you can get that you get you can get on a plane and it won't disappear.
1: Right. Is the question that's, if it can happen to this plane, why can't it happen to another plane? Is that right? Exactly. That's really true.
2: The other thing is that, like,
1: a less rational
2: view, but like a more human view, which is. There are 239 people on this plane and their relatives are have no answers. They have no answers. The people that are most important to them, the ones that they love are we don't know. Just Nobody's absent,
0: which is anything. so hard, isn't it? They're just absent.
2: I think it must be so. I can't even imagine. I have two kids. I have a wife. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what these people go through. And I think in, in the documentary, we very compellingly hear from some people who are mourning. It's not even more. I mean, it's not more. What is it? We don't. Even, I don't know if we even have a word for it. If they were dead, that would be one thing. But they're not even dead. It's worse than being dead, in a sense, because you just have no closure. If I was in this po- this position, I think I would be like some of the people in this documentary. who are Like, I will not rest. Like, mm-hmm. I will not rest. I'm not going to accept you saying that you tried your best.
1: Mm-hmm. You I don't think you up- did try your best. There's Absolutely. more things you can do. Do it. Right. You brought up many challenging uh, and mysterious issues surrounding this case. Like, there's so many question marks. But what do you think is the most challenging or most mysterious part? of this case I do think the important thing is not for me to like get everyone to believe my theory I think it's it's to get people to
2: like really take a hard look and to not just accept
1: mm.
2: that there is only one possibility right. because there is as I've thought ever since you know, this, this, the, the news that the SDU turned back on ever since then, I've been like, okay, how do we, what other explanation, what other routes does this possibility open up? Okay. Let's imagine that the SDU was tampered with. Imagine that it was turned on by someone who we we know was turned on by someone who was sophisticated and had, and was seemed highly motivated because it's Mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do. And it's, it's something that most pilots don't even know about, let alone would want it to. Okay. What is a possible explanation for this? And, And I thought, well, what if somebody wanted to tamper with, the SDU because they wanted to change the SDU so that it would so that the signals that it sent would leave effectively a false
0: trail wow. trail of
2: breadcrumbs because for until the flapperon was found in Reunion Island um, the following year right the entire search was predicated on only these seven pieces of data and as I say in the documentary it's the first time that 239 people had been declared dead on the basis of math alone right so you had so everything was hanging on these seven digital breadcrumbs and so I was wondering what if these breadcrumbs were faked right what if they were what if the data had been altered in such a way that mathematically a clever investigator would look at it and say oh, it went south when in fact It went north. Mm -hmm. So even if the data was fake to make it look south, there's still this other half of the metadata, which is very hard to tamper with, Mm -hmm. maybe impossible to tamper with actually, would also give you a path. And the path we know where it goes, it goes to Kazakhstan. So this already, just what I've told you is way too much for some people. Some people are like, well, there's no way anybody could have been sophisticated enough for this. There's no way that they could have outsmarted our super clever British scientists. It's just too outlandish. I'm like, okay, it's outlandish. It's 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 outlandish, but we're looking for possibilities. Tell me, because we've already said that it's like the whole thing was like the other alternative is like flipping open a
1: a a combination lock on the first try. Yeah, right. We're talking about crazy stories. I'm going to throw it out there. What would make it easier for people to believe the other option? The other theory is if a motive could be established. Right? Why would someone want to do this to the plane? So based on what I've read, uh, the little bit that I've done, it would either have to do with someone or something that's on the plane. Would that be fair to right.
2: say? Yeah, I mean, I understand the the urge. I understand the desire to have a motive. But in this kind of investigation, unfortunately, motive comes downstream of right. what happened. So we can't tell motive just from electronic signals or the absence of debris on the seabed. But what I can do is tell, tell you there are certain Implications of some of these possibilities, right? Those implications, I think, might shine some light into what the motive might be. If the SD was turned on deliberately to create a false trail of breadcrumbs, hmm. that would the implication of that is that the plane went to Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. If the plane went to Kazakhstan, the implication would be that somebody who's got very sophisticated knowledge of satellite communication system and airlines and all that stuff, and is also like the dominant power in Kazakhstan which is Russia. And were there Russians on board? There were actually three Russians. There were two r- ethnic Russian Ukrainians sitting underneath the SDU. There was a Russian sitting about 12 feet away from this unlocked hatch that led to the computer room where all this stuff gets generated. What is the socio-political context of of MA370. It occurred the day after Russia annexed Crimea. So you have the the, the beginning of the war that we're now seeing in its most, you know, bloody phase. Ukraine, but yeah. the war started in the context of mh 370 I had spent 9 years a lot of people mad at me, alternatingly mad at me and ridiculing me for talking about this mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, tell me how I'm wrong, you know, t- t- I mean, if if it's impossible, there's a lot of different ways you could prove me wrong. Like if they had found a plane on the seabed, I obviously would have been wrong. Mm. If you could g- show me the radar coverage from Calcutta, show me that they had their primary radar on and that they recorded nothing, but they would have if it's triple seven had flown overhead because a triple seven is a huge plane. Show me that and then we'll put it to bed. Mm. Nobody has done anything like this. It remains a possibility, a crazy and unlikely possibility, but a physically possible. So we have like the the point I'm trying to make is that there's two possibilities. They're both terrible,
1: but it's really the only, you know, cans of soup in the store. Mm. In this documentary, what are your hopes for this documentary? What are you hope? How do you hope its impact will be on society? What do you hope people will take away when they watch this documentary?
2: I hope that this will cut through the fog and show the clarity that exists. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of clarity. And I think like when a really powerful you know analysis a really clear-eyed analysis occurs it can help people really understand what the stakes are what the issues are what the possibilities are we have spent the last nine years chasing our tail confusing ourselves with fog and misinformation some of the misinformation is put out by people who have i don't know what their motives are but people are spending a lot of time spreading misinformation about this story and there's also people that just like they really love their theory and they they're in love with their theory and they want everyone to believe their theory. One of those theories is in the documentary and I you, you'll you'll watch it and you'll know what I'm talking about. I don't there's three theories that are talked about in this show. Mm-hmm. Two of them are ones that are very rigorous and and we can talk about all the pros and cons for, uh, regarding every point of data. Right. One of them is bonkers and I think <laughs> You'll probably know what I'm talking about. We appreciate Um, your honesty, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, listen, that's, I mean, I want all that stuff to go away. I want to have, I wish we could have a serious conversation. Hmm. I've been reading about the discovery of quantum mechanics, which took place in the twenties and thirties. It involved a small number of people who were super intelligent and were all, they argued with each other. They kind of disliked each other to a certain extent, but they all were dealing in good faith They were trying to solve a big mystery that was really, really hard to explain. And the answer that they came up with, Mm. interestingly enough, was crazy. The answer that came up was so crazy that Einstein, the greatest brain of the 20th century, didn't believe it. He went to his grave saying, like, this is impossible. I do not believe it. Mm. Einstein was wrong in that case. Everyone Mm. now knows that Einstein was actually wrong. Quantum mechanics is deeply weird, but it's also true. And I think that the same analogy holds with MH370. When you find out what it really and I do think it will be found in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. depending on how long we live, I guess. But it will see it will be crazy. Whatever MH three seventy was, we know enough now to know it was crazy. It was not just like oh, the Americans shot a missile by mistake. No,
1: right.
2: It was weirder than that. Way weirder than that. It was, weird. it was really
1: weird You said everything That needs to be said Then the, what we need to do now Is watch that documentary And see yes. all the three theories That you've mentioned And watch you in it as well We appreciate yes. the time That you've given us And you've definitely given us A lot to think about as well
0: Yeah, absolutely For sure And uh, I, I love the fact That this documentary Has come up It's poking us again to not forget and actually sort of do more reading because back when it was happening in the few years after that it was a lot of information it mm. was very confusing there there wasn't a very simplified way for people to explain so lay people like us would have been very confused with mm. all of the information out there mm. and which to listen to and which not to so Jeff you know really thank you so much for having this conversation with us uh, for writing the book for holding on to these points so that people just keep asking questions. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you guys for having me. It's been really such a pleasure. You guys Thank have you. great questions and I love that you're that you care about this. It's so important.
0: Absolutely. We do. Can, Can I add have...
2: one thing, which is that if yeah. people watch this and they have questions and like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. I have my book that you mentioned very kindly, the Taking Up MH370. Yeah. And I also have a website where people, if people want to like ask a question or something, JeffWise.net, there's comments. And like people, we've had 40,000 comments over the last nine years. So it's like, you can uh,
1: discuss the you know, theory. It's a, it's a
2: discussion, it's a process. Right. It's Science doesn't happen with one person having one idea, right. it's a conversation.
0: We were talking to aviation journalist and author of The Taking Up MH370, Jeff Wise, about his experience on covering mm. this international tragedy you can listen to this interview again on the light breakfast podcast that's on the shock app